I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Uh, episode 13. Lucky 13. Am I right? No. Nathan knows what I'm talking oh, about. Goodness. He's all about uh, He's all about luck. <laughs> he, goes to, he goes to Vegas oh, with a pocket wow. full of luck. That's what he says. Oh, jeez. And then he comes back and, you know, empty-handed, and he says, ah, oh, you know, I guess luck wasn't with me. So, luck, of course, being a god that we believe in. <laughs> right? I Yeah, I like how you're taking a joke that I made 15 minutes ago. Off air. And introducing it to people right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> as we established, I'm, I'm in kind of a silly mood. You are. So, brought on by too much sleep. See, this is what happens when I get too much sleep. And then the Kool-Aid. That's not helping. That's true. I did drink some I did drink some delightful Kool-Aid. It's not actual Kool-Aid though. It's no. like this fake generic Kool-Aid yeah. grape drink. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure it's clear. It is clear. So it's not It's a little murky. It's not straight. It's not like yeah. water. Yeah. So But it's not purple like you'd think. No, it isn't. It can kind of throw a person off, honestly. Yeah, that's really something else. Even even when you're expecting it. Okay, so well, anyway, <laughs> so I guess that's our introduction to uh, our guest. Hey, uh, everybody! Our first return guest. He did so well on the other episode that uh, people were clamoring for him to come back. True. All five of them. That. <laughs> well, you've managed to all take five it. of the people that heard that particular episode, but more people have listened to your show since. That's true, but not that particular episode because they see oh some other guys talking and. I don't really feel like listening to a, any discussion about a Bill Maher movie, so I'll pass. Despite the backpedal, I still feel incredibly insulted. But that's all right. So uh, so Nathan Potter, he's back in black. He's Nathan TNT. White, technically. He's going he's, he's gonna to shake us all night long. <laughs> um, <laughs> just referencing. <laughs> just quoting ACDC titles. That's wonderful. Oh, my. Um, it's been so long since we've had a guest. I'm so excited that I'm just feeling you just goofy. You don't know what to do with yourself. I don't know what to do with myself, which is why I'm going to throw it to you. Um, what are we talking about today? Uh, today, we're going to be talking about marriage via Fireproof. Fireproof. And we're also going to going to throw a little pass to a little movie that I personally enjoy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's right. Yeah. Now, uh, we're, we're, let's start with a little introduction uh, real quick. Um, listeners of uh, Battleship Pretension, and probably even more than one lesson, I'm sure I probably mentioned it before, um, know that uh, before I saw Fireproof, I remember I was very, I was very encouraged by it because the vast majority of Christian films um, are pretty terrible, and uh, and I assumed that Fireproof would be much uh, much the same. But one thing that I was excited about was that it was uh, tackling a concept that is very uh, that is very relevant to uh, people Christian or non-Christian. Um, a, a lot of Christian films before then uh, dealt with you know the rapture and end times and you know stuff that. That honestly, it's like the Christian version of like an action movie, you know, because there's a lot of violence and uh, you get a nice villain in the Antichrist. There's and, not a lot of violence, which is weird. Well, in, there should be because it's yeah, you know. It's but the there can be uh, maybe maybe violence is, is the wrong word. But there's like intrigue, you yeah, know. There's there's, sure. there's no. I know what you mean. It's just yeah. funny that like in in the time that is the bloodiest in mm-hmm. the Bible. There's not a lot of blood. In well, the, you can't in risk a PG-13 movies. rating, Nathan. <laughs> um, much less an R. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, so so yeah, uh, so fireproof was not about that. Which yep. 
you know, arguably uh, would only ever attract um, a Christian audience because non-Christians don't believe in the rapture. So why would they ever want to see a movie about it? Whereas marriage, well, everybody, you know, uh, almost everybody has to deal with marriage, you know, a good marriage, a bad marriage. And so Fireproof is about that. It's about something that is it's not far off in the distance. It's something very tangible that people can deal with now. Yeah. And that and what's more is I remember, uh, you know, theoretically, movies like Left Behind and The Omega Code and, and all that. Um, those are movies that because they're trying to appeal to kind of a larger action oriented audience, it's, some, it's like, OK, well, we can try to appeal to children with this, you know, not children, but, you know, teenagers and stuff. Right. Well, teenagers don't really have to deal much with marriage their own their parents of course but Mm -hmm. not their own Mm -hmm. and so fireproof is a movie that by virtue of what it's about is aimed at adults right and my hope was that because i had read the reviews and fireproof was not getting good reviews and my hope was that um it was the first step in christian film becoming more mature right because once it once you realize that you are making a film for an adult um, even if it's an adult who doesn't, who honestly doesn't really like um, really great nuanced movies, um, they are more mature just by nature of their of life experience. And so you can be a little more subtle, mm-hmm. and you can take a little more time on character and dialogue and and stuff like that. So that was my hope, um, and that's and that's what I was encouraged about with with fireproofs i feel like it is the first step in what is hopefully a series of steps towards maturity uh and as i said nuance in christian film so uh so that was that's what i was encouraged about before having even seen the film uh and then i did watch it uh with some friends and uh uh i'll go ahead and say i did not uh, really like it that much i wasn't really expecting to but as far as the message goes, um, and that's what we're going to talk about first, as far as the message of Fireproof, um, I'm kind of on board with it. And we'll talk about the execution in a few minutes. But first, we're going to talk about the message of Fireproof. Yeah. Uh, and so, so uh, I've been talking for a few minutes. I'm going to throw it to you, Nathan. What, what, do, you, what do you have to say about the, the, the message, uh, the moral of, uh, of Fireproof? Well, I think the moral's solid. Uh, mm-hmm. Clearly, I think that... Uh I think that what it what the movie's doing is is looking at a problem that our society is having at large mm-hmm. uh both secular and christian yeah and dealing with that directly and and saying you know the things that are happening right now this marriage issue the yeah. something like between 50 and 60% of marriages end in divorce depending on what statistics you look at and that's for both marriages christian and non-christian right um, and it's taking that head on and, and sort of not, not attacking it. That's not the right phrase. Um, giving, giving us a look at, at how we can constructively, uh, take that apart and try and rebuild what is supposed to be the Institute of Marriage. Yeah. And so, 
Now, uh, in in talking about how we were going to uh, approach this topic, uh, you and I are both uh, married men. Indeed. I've been married for about four and a half years now, Mm -hmm. um, which is insane to think, but uh, because it flies by, except when things are going poorly, and then it kind of drags. But that's (laughs) all right. Such is life. Am I right, Nathan? That's right. Say la vie. Say, say. Wow. Hey. Um, and so, uh, and you've been married for uh, a few months now? Yeah, going on six. Six months, half a year. Indeed. Very exciting. Um, Very. And so, uh, so, we've, so we're, we're at different points in our marriage, but uh, in our marriages specifically. That's why I should have said. We're not yeah. married to each other. No. So, um, but, uh, but in, in approaching this, uh, this, uh, this topic... Uh, Nathan, you said that an important an important thing to you was to uh, define uh, define what marriage is. Yeah, and so um, so let's let's start with that, Nathan. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay, I'm let's, pointing uh, at Nathan. You sure are. What is marriage? Well, Tyler, I'm glad you asked that because <laughs> I feel like there's a big misconception about uh, what marriage is. I think a lot of a lot of people, in fact, a, a large majority of the world, I would say, is under the impression that marriage is a cultural institution, mm-hmm. um, that it is something, here in America specifically, we're under the impression that it is something that two people do when they love each other and it's governed by the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not the case. Uh, marriage actually originates in the Bible mm-hmm. um, according to Scripture God institutes the first marriage between Adam and Eve. He mm-hmm. officiates it, binds to get binds them to, together. Yep. Um, it is in in that context. It is de- defined as a covenant, mm-hmm. whereas our society often thinks of it as a contract. Yeah. The difference between the two being that contracts are designed with a way out. They're designed with loopholes. They're designed with, um, you know, if you sign this page or don't yeah. sign that page, you can. You can get out of this. Stipulations. Right. Stipulations. Absolutely. Covenants are different because it is a, um, you are agreeing to this for life. Mm. It is something that is uh, binding and not to be broken as it were. Um, They're that way between people. Two people can make a covenant between one another, which is what marriage is. But marriage is more than that in that it is two people making a covenant with God. Right. To uphold his definition and his vision and his plan for matrimony Mm -hmm. is marriage. Um, It's between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. It is for life. Yeah. It is for better or worse. Sickness, health, rich or poor, the whole, the whole whole deal. Um, And it's, it's not something instituted by the government. Right. It is something instituted by God to his people. Yeah. To be a picture, this is the good part, to be a picture of Christ and his church. Mm-hmm. Jesus died so that his church, the body that believes in him, right. could be reconciled to him and live with him in perfect harmony forever. Right. Marriage is similar in that the man... Uh, the man takes on the responsibility of denying his selfish desire right. in order to please his wife yeah. and preserve her as a holy and wonderful woman mm-hmm. in order that they can live 
happily together. It's the whole thing's a picture of Christ and his church. It's pretty awesome. It is. Now, that was pretty exhausting. Sorry. I'm sorry. I meant to say exhaustive. But you know what? Uh, exa- <laughs> exhausting. I'll, I'll stick with that now that I think about it. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, And I'm sure that there are probably uh, you know some listeners who uh, may not necessarily agree with that assessment, particularly because at this point the term marriage uh, has become uh, uh, very political. Yeah. And, uh, and that might be something for another episode, honestly. I don't really Perhaps. necessarily want to deal with deal with that uh, right now. And if I may, real quick. If, Go right ahead. Uh, for anybody that doesn't agree with that, um, if you're a Christian and, and you believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, mm-hmm. and you believe in Scripture, yeah. this is the definition of marriage for you. If you disagree with that, look at Scripture. Just mm-hmm. look at the text. The text says all of it. Yeah. It's all there, and if you disagree with it, you're disagreeing with God's opinion. If if you are a non-believer, as it were, if if you don't agree with the Christian ideal, we still love you. It's not like yeah. you have to believe in this thing for us to be okay with you. Um, but just recognize that the origin of marriage is not in government. It is in religion. It mm-hmm. is in specifically uh, when you talk about monogamous marriage before God with the ring and the whole bit, you're talking about Christian marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, now, America has taken that as, and made it a societal instrument, yeah. but it or, it originates in Christianity. And I think that's something that is completely missed by a majority of society. Yeah, and so, and of course, listeners, uh, you are not only loved, yeah. you're always more than welcome to continue listening more than one lesson that's right anyway so <laughs> i don't know why i <laughs> chose to do that oh, wow. um yeah and so <clears throat> so it's kind of important because this is this is the you know i i know that uh, so, sometimes we will we've we you know I, i've gotten a complaint that oh is you know too much christianese or, or whatever but honestly we're talking about a christian film this yeah. is the mentality that the filmmakers have yep. and so I've, and honestly, a mentality that I have, and you yeah. have, and and so it's a Christian podcast, is it not? It is. It sure is. There's no here, question about that. And if you got a problem with Christianese, yeah, email Tyler. <laughs> ask him the definition of whatever word you're looking for. Right. Whether you agree with it or not, he can at least define it for you. You can yes. understand it. Absolutely. Thank you. No problem. Tyler at morethanonelesson.com. That's right. That's um, him right here. And so, uh, so yeah. So we need to. One of the things that I think is very important. Um, for everybody, and this, I would say this definitely applies to uh, Christians who are watching a non-Christian film, but it can go the other way as well, which is you have to understand where the filmmaker is coming from yeah. in the film that they're making. You can't demand that they make a movie for you because, well, then you just get, you know, uh, Hollywood lowest common denominator tripe because they're going to try and make a movie for everyone. And when it's for everybody, it's not for anybody. And so... Nice. Nice. I like that. So um, I paraphrased a, uh, a sentence that I said uh, the other day. But um, anyway, so so yeah, so that's – it was very important uh, to me for us to get that out of the way because that is the attitude that the filmmakers have going into uh, into the movie. So, so we will first talk about um, – what what the story of fireproof is it's very basic it's very basic mm-hmm. um in which it's about a a firefighter played by Kirk Cameron 
who is in a marriage that the the film starts and his marriage is already kind of on the rocks. Yeah. You know, they're very distant from each other. They they argue a lot. Each of them expects the other to kind of kind of read minds, really. And it's a very self centered marriage. Very much so on both in in both of their cases. Mm-hmm. And so, although the story is told more from his point of view, right? So, so that is the that's that's the story, and and or at least that's the that's the setup. And then uh, Kirk Cameron, uh, for advice, uh, will turn to his father, who uh, is a Christian, and uh, it's implied that he's a relatively new Christian, relatively in the sense of his whole life. Yeah, uh, you get the impression that uh, Kirk Cameron's character Caleb uh, was not raised with this. This mm-hmm. is something that's kind of new. Uh, to him, which is to say, like, uh, oh, well, my dad's saying these new things, and uh, eh, more power to him. Go get him, dad. Um, but his dad is the one who uh, who is, you know, uh, kind of espousing a lot of the things that that Nathan and I uh, have said, um, kind of giving voice to the the, the Christian opinion uh, on marriage. So, uh, so as far as the 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 themes of the film and the conclusions that it comes to, uh, what did you, and before again before we get to how it goes about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, illustrating them. Uh, before we do that, we will talk about um, the themes of the film. And so, uh, Nathan, what's what's your take on on those? Well, I think what it what it does and and does rather well is illustrate how important it is to not give up on something you have promised to uphold. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's illustrated not just in the marriage in in uh, Caleb's dad. I. Lord help me, I can't remember the character name. But in the father character, he's stressing, you know, you can't just quit on this marriage. Mm-hmm. You need to give it some time and actually work for it. Yeah. He uh, he gives him a book and he says, you know, just go through this thing in 40 days and see if it changes. But the idea behind it is there needs to be working on your part. This thing just doesn't work by itself. Yeah. It's not a self-sufficient functioning entity that you're just involved in. You must work to keep a marriage going, which is awesome. I think a lot of people don't realize that, and I think yeah. the, the the movie does that well. The other place it emphasizes that in is uh, in a lot of the firefighting scenes. They're talking about not leaving your partner behind, right? Because firefighters go in in twos, go into a burning house. Yeah. Now, if you leave your partner behind, either you or your partner will die. Yeah, because you are in a burning home or structure of something office building office building perhaps yeah. maybe it's a warehouse preschool could be a preschool absolutely sure yeah why, why did my storefront storefront yeah yeah the whole store hey um so the movie's supporting that the movie's definitely emphasizing not leaving your partner behind right your partner being of course in this case your husband or wife spouse spouse if you will yeah that's a, that's the word for it yeah indeed yeah mate Mm-hmm. I don't know why I've decided to play this role where I just come <laughs> up with alternatives to what you just said. Um, yeah, and uh, and that is that that is uh, something that I feel like should be uh, thrown out there uh, because Absolutely. because it's it's something I remember. Uh, my wife Jen and I were watching I don't know Entertainment Tonight or some something like that, and uh, Kate Hudson uh, was. Uh, telling a uh, was telling a story or, or talking about her own marriage um, this was several years ago I don't know what her marital status is right now but uh, and for the life of me I don't recall who she was marrying a musician of some kind sure 
Blast. That sounds right. Nah, that bothers me. Something of crows, something of either, of the counting crows or the black crows. Black crows. I don't recall. Could be one of the two. All right. I'm actually surprised I've remembered this much. So anyway, um, musician of some crows. And I'm so, impressed. yeah, as you as you should be. Um, and so, but she said something that actually is uh, is intriguing and and more than a little disheartening. She says that uh, she says, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna be. You know, I, I want to be married until you know." Uh, as long as it's fun, you know. Once it stops being fun, uh, then you know I, I, I have. I'm not done with the quote. Sorry, although I'm not exactly quoting, I'm paraphrasing. Right. But uh, you know, once once it stops being fun, then you know why would I want to keep it going? Boo. Nathan is booing that statement, um, mm-hmm. but I do think that that's a, that's a statement. That a lot. I think that does reflect uh, certain attitudes, and I won't even just say secular attitudes. Just certain attitudes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'd say probably there's some Christian attitudes in there as well um, that says that marriage, it should always be, it should always be fun. It should always be passionate. It should always be, you know, uh, just all peaks, no valleys, you know. Right. Um, the funny thing about all peaks is that that eventually shapes into a flat line. But that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, so it's... Uh, so it's it's that attitude that uh, that fireproof is is kind of trying to to fight against yeah. is that when things you know when you have a difficult time uh, you know you you work through it you you know love very much is a choice you know it may have that initial spark absolutely and that initial spark uh, will be rekindled probably right after you get married because like oh my gosh I can't I'm with this person the rest of my life this is awesome. And then, of course, the first fight comes along or you hit some kind of perhaps a financial crisis or just whatever the case may be. Life basically intervenes. Mm -hmm. um, And sometimes life can be in the form of, you know, uh, personal depression or something like that. Something that really tests your commitment to that person because it's like, oh, this isn't fun. This isn't fun at all. Quite the opposite. In fact, I'd be having more fun if I wasn't with this person. But again, it's that it's that idea of, well, if you commit to somebody then you need to stay committed and you work through it. And having now been married for four and a half years, I mean, we've had all kinds of peaks and valleys. I mean, and sometimes the peak will last for a solid month. Sometimes a valley will last for quite a while. And you just work through it where it just, you know, it just seems like you're always fighting. You can't ever say the right thing. uh, And they can't say the right thing either, where you just, you're both having just a series of bad days and just kind of take it out on each other. But, you can't first off you can't keep that going you know you have to choose that like all right am i going to be am i upset with her or am i upset about something else and i'm right. taking it out on her so it's just it's it's making a lot of seemingly small decisions yeah but they amount to something much bigger and Major, before you know it yeah. making these small decisions to kind of not necessarily ignore something that somebody has done as if it never happened because you if you ignore too many things then before you know it you're just not communicating mm-hmm. but you know just realizing like is this worth fighting about it's not it's just a minor annoyance maybe i can yeah. bring it up maybe i can bring it up later but certainly not in the mindset that i'm in right now because there's no way it will come out in a positive constructive way it's and so the constant work to extend grace yeah love <clears throat> love is not something that you feel and mm-hmm. is nice and will stay there forever. Right. Love is something that when you feel it, it must reach out. Love is yeah. an outward motion. Love is an action. Yeah. It's not 
a thing that you just have or a word that you say. Yeah. And the action of love is worked out best in marriage because exactly what you're talking about is like mm-hmm. those days where you're like, I, I'm not having anything today. I'm just not okay <laughs> yeah. with it. And, but I understand that that's not okay. Right. And so I will choose to love you. Uh, speaking to your spouse, I will yeah. choose to love you through it or over it or, right. or in spite of it. If that, right. If the case may be. Yeah. And it's, and it, and it involves a certain degree of, of recognition of, of, kind of your own flaws that's something that i've that i've come to realize is some and something that yeah. i that i pray about is you know it's very easy and this this can actually go in life not just in marriage where it's very easy to just say like i'm always right everybody else is always wrong it's like no that's probably not the case probably and, not and i try and th- I, i've used it in marriage certainly but the somehow the most obvious uh, example is in traffic if somebody cuts me off i get so furious but then lately I find myself saying, you know what? I've probably cut off people without even realizing it. And so I probably shouldn't be upset with this person because they probably didn't do it on purpose. Yeah. And so it's stuff like that where I could be upset with my wife about something small that she did. But then I realize, you know what? I, I've done all kinds of bad things. And again, it's not to ignore your own needs and you know your own bothers or whatever, but it's to acknowledge how to realize how to approach it right. if you approach it like oh you've all you always do this you don't care about me or whatever well that's not going to help anybody no. um there are intelligent loving compassionate ways to um approach somebody about something that they've that they've done wrong yeah. and to bring it back to the movie <clears throat> these characters are not doing that no, they no goodness no every every bad thing that that one character does the other one will almost always go into, will say, you always do this or you never do that or just making broad general statements as if, uh, as if the person is purposely trying to hurt them. Yeah. Um, and though, and they're not necessarily purposely trying to hurt them. They're just oblivious pretty much because yeah. they're very selfish. It's a very consumerist mentality. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to a, a interpersonal relational mentality. Um, by consumerist mentality, just to clarify, I mean like, the relationship that you have with your local grocer mm-hmm. is a consumerist relationship. Yeah. You go there as long as they are supplying a need. Yeah. The moment they are no longer supplying the need. Yeah. You stop going there. You find a new grocer. That's not how marriage works as yeah. it turns out, but that's how these two characters are looking at it. Yeah. Uh, Caleb says over and over again, she's not giving me the respect I deserve. Right. He's looking at it from what, what's in this for me. And she, I think she says something like, uh, he doesn't even try to love me anymore. She, no. He doesn't try to help me. He doesn't. No. And it's it's all about what's in it for me. Right. But marriage, again, going back to that portrait of Christ and his church, it's what can I do for you? Yeah. It's other centered. And one of the one of the uh, illustrations, one of the of course, it, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, <laughs> one of the illustrations that I like in, in the film is is so. Uh, Caleb's father gives him this book and in the, in the movie, the, the book is written by his father, you know? Um, and it's, and it's called the love dare and it's basically just, excuse me, it's kind of like a journal of sorts really Mm -hmm. where you just go day by day and it's like, all right, today do this nice thing today, do this nice thing or choose not to say this, you know, try and say something nice. And if you can't think of anything nice, just don't say anything, 
you know, just don't say something negative, you know? So just day by day, it goes like, it goes like that. And so Kirk Cameron decides, all right, I'm going to do it. And he doesn't want to do it at first. No, because you know, it involves stepping outside yourself and that's something that he's not used to doing. Mm -hmm. And so, so he starts to do it only to find that his wife is actually not receptive. And in fact, his kindness makes her more, makes her suspicious. She feels like he, and she's told by, she's, advised by friends that oh he's just buttering her up for a divorce you know and so that he can get more out of it uh, than she's willing to give mm-hmm. and so so she's completely unreceptive and just keeps rejecting all these things that he's trying to do and one of the things that he he says is you know what he goes how how is it possible to love somebody even though they keep rejecting you over and over again. And that, and of course that question, which of course is clearly stated and clearly answered, uh, in, in the film, it isn't just let to sit there and the viewer draws their own comparisons. Um, that is, that is of course the idea behind, um, God's love for us, you know, is that his love does not go away because we reject him over and over again. Um, and again, that's why, that's why marriage is such a, such an interesting, uh, and when it's when it's done well, it's such a beautiful portrait of God's love for us and our relationship with with Jesus is yeah. it's supposed to be constantly selfless, even if somebody is, you know, rejecting you, just always working to reconcile with them, Absolutely. which is what, you know, uh, Jesus uh, or what God did with us through Jesus. Um, Amen. There you go. So it. so I feel like, you know, all all. I agree with every pretty much everything that the film is is saying and and something that I found in my own marriage to be true and Mm -hmm. something that I found to work, which is just, you know, um, trying to focus on the positive, not ignoring the negative, but working through it and to always be willing to work on your own negatives, trusting that the other person is willing to work on theirs, you know, just and constant communication is, of course, very important and helping each other work on theirs. And there are biblical principles of what we're here to talk about a film, not we sure are. So I'll just slow down. Okay, now. Lest anybody think. That I am recommending fireproof. We will now talk about the execution of the film. We've talked about its themes, right? We sure have. And now it's time to talk about. How about the film itself? Because all of these themes could be, and it sounds like they are, put forth in various books. Most notably, there is a book called The Love Dare, mm-hmm. um, written by the pastor that uh, the pastor of the church that uh, funded the film. Yep. Um, so thematically, and perhaps as like a ministry ministry tool, like something to show in a church. Yeah, that's fine. Or, or like a like a like a Christian couples uh, workshop or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It it can start a lot of discussions, you know. And and in fact, I'm uh, I kind of want to get uh, kind of want to buy the Love Dare because though I, though I uh, my marriage is certainly not in the condition that that Caleb and Catherine's was in the film. You know, you can always you I feel like you can always do better. You can always Absolutely. try and be more selfless. Absolutely. And so. Um, so yeah, everything that the that the film has to say is something that as a Christian I'm on board with. As a Christian and as a husband I'm on board with. Yeah. But as far as the movie goes, to quote uh, my good buddy Mike Vanderweist when he was on Battleship Pretension, and if you know Mike, you've met him once, but He's if great. you know Mike, you know that he is one of the most positive people you can ever you'll ever meet. Almost off-puttingly so. 
Like at, at the very like when you first meet him, you're you're like this guy might be mocking me, but then you find out that no, he's just that loving and joyful. Yeah, um, and so he has said. So he said much the same as what we're saying is that as a Christian, he agrees with a lot of the things that Fireproof says. He goes, and then he said, as a movie, very 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 subpar. I think after the third very, you can probably just go ahead and say bad. Yeah. Um, it, as a movie, it's bad. Kirk it's, crew <laughs> writers church. I don't remember what the church's name. I think it's Shepherd. Sherwood. I think Sherwood. That's it. That's yeah. the one. Sherwood. We love you. We love you very much. In Christ, the movie's bad. Yeah, it's it's really it's just you know everything that everything that we've said as far as the the thematics. The reason that we know that is because they say everything that we've said on point. Every right single on the nose. yeah yeah. Just I mean, it, it's. I, I I've done Christian theater before, and I've I've uh, I've been involved in in Christian drama uh, groups and and stuff like that, and and I remember that for us, we always tried to avoid, you know, w- doing the audience's work for them. You know, sometimes you kind of just have to have a character who says something, sure. But then there's a way to off put that by having other characters perhaps reject it. You know, something that gets the audience emotionally involved by having perhaps a character do the wrong thing or respond to the truth with reluctance or, you know, like a mocking tone. Mm -hmm. And that way it gets the audience more involved and just say like, oh, no, that person's wrong, you know, as opposed to I am now saying what I, you know, I am saying the Christian truth. I am hearing you and I believe you. I agree. The end. You know, because then it requires nothing of the audience, and right. fireproof requires nothing of the audience. It is all, it's all just said. Nobody has to, like I said, that. You know the 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 comparison that the film makes between, uh, you know, Christ and the church, and Caleb and his wife. Well, that's not something that I had to comb out of there. It's said. It's it's verbalized. For a solid three minutes uh, by by Caleb's father, and and it's just as somebody who, you know, I I, I love films that are that are heavy on dialogue, but I I've I found that the ones I tend to like the most are the ones that not are lacking themes, but the characters don't say them, perhaps because they're not necessarily completely aware of them. Um, the themes are just there in what the character is saying. Not specifically what they're saying, but how they're saying things, what they're doing, and we are meant to say like, "Oh, geez, well, what can we? What can I learn from this? Clearly, I can learn this," as opposed to the character saying, "What can I learn from this?" You yeah. know, and and so just from a dialogue standpoint, uh, it's it, it's it's pretty atrocious. It's uh, it's frustrating because it's for the most part, it is atrocious. Yeah, but there are moments where you're like, oh. Oh, there's some really good dialogue. And it's thematic. Yeah. And then it gets to a point where it's like uh better written films would stop. Yeah. And go, okay, we've stated our theme, we've made our point, we don't need to hit them in the face with it. And this the move the dialogue in fireproof goes a couple lines past that and decides to right. just in case you didn't get it, right. hit you with it on the nose. And it's really frustrating to watch. And that that is perhaps the problem inherent with with Christian film as a genre is it is it's made 
because it's made to to save souls and 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 win people to Christ. Mm-hmm. And when you when you make a film with that goal in mind, that means that you cannot run the risk of anybody not hearing the word, you know, not hearing the statements, which means you got to hit it. You got to make it so obvious that the the most dim or the most unreceptive person at least knows what you were trying to say, which means overstating things and overstating them to the point that it's that it's just ridiculous to the point yeah. that no care that these characters are not believable because nobody would emphasize something this much in just a conversation. I think that's debatable. But right, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, well, it's in in the converse, in a lot of the conversations in the film, like the characters between, that they've given us and have set up, right, would not do that, right? Yeah, um, you know, a conversation between two pastors, okay, maybe, yeah, sure. A uh, conversation between two firemen, probably, not. probably not, probably not. I'd venture to say, yeah. Um, even if one of them is a, is a Christian, yeah, uh, it's just, you know, and. And there is, uh, and of course, uh, I know that you actually had perhaps even more of a problem with it than I did artistically. Uh, there is, there's a couple of conversion scenes. Yeah. That you didn't care for. Yeah. You know, this is, I'm going to say this one thing real quick, and then if you want to talk about it later, we can. Or All right. If then. not, we can move on. But I think Christian film, when setting out to be Christian, if you're a Christian making a film, mm-hmm. you can make a choice to make a Christian film yeah. or you can make a film that glorifies the Lord yeah. and just tells a story. This is a Christian film, so we'll talk about that. Yeah. Now, as a Christian film, you still need to make a choice. You need to make a choice whether your point, your purpose is to, uh, to rightly, spirit-filled, j- assess... I almost said judge, but that's such a negative term right. in our context. Uh, to assess and approve or condemn a situation and just tell a story that does that. Or you can do a film that is there to, as you said, save souls and win people to Christ. Right. Here's the thing. Any three of those are po- are perfectly capable of doing that. Yeah. C.S. Lewis never preaches, as go- preaches the gospel in the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. But it's there, and it has led people to Christ. Yeah. The gospel is never preached in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But it's all over the place. Um, the the list could go on. G.K. Chesterton does it. it yada, yada, yada. But yeah. the point is, you have to choose what you're doing. And Fireproof, about, what, like a half hour, 40 minutes in? Uh, Yeah, I'd say about 45 kinda, minutes. It yeah. kind of shifts gears, and it's like, hey, we're going to talk about marriage. This movie's about marriage and... and uh, and family and, and how to deal with it and how you get through things with your partner. And then it goes, no, hold on. We're not talking about that anymore. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about Jesus. Right. And how much you need him. And it does that for a solid five, ten minutes. Oh, yeah. And then it goes back to the story. And You but have it, to it make does, a decision on which one of those two things you're doing. And, of course, one, once it introduces the idea of needing Jesus... And then it goes back to the marriage story, but then mm-hmm. it'll, it'll touch on, it'll come back to it'll touch on the Jesus, the Jesus. Yeah. uh, come back to the, the Jesus, Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, from time to time. Um, and, and yeah, there's a, there's a part where, where Caleb, uh, I'd say about halfway through, maybe an hour in, mm-hmm. uh, where he finally, uh, breaks down, becomes a Christian, uh, and, 
and from then on, you do see a change in the way the character is played and the Absolutely. way he's written yeah. and the way he approaches, uh, you know, going through with the rest of the love dare. Yeah. Um, he his he's much more committed to it mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I'm okay with that, I suppose. But then by the end, uh, his wife becomes a Christian as well. And just it's like, well, we so see that happen. She says she wants to. Right. She says, I see a difference in you and I want that too. So, and then of course they get spoilers. Everything's fine by the end. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oddly enough, uh, in this Christian film, they don't divorce. They don't get a divorce. Um, But the, uh, it ends with them kind of having like a recommitment uh, ceremony. And the implication is uh, that she is now a Christian as well. And, uh, and to me, I, I thought it would be, and that's the thing is because, the transformative powers of Jesus and stuff. Oh, well, you know, he became Christian. She saw what he had, wants it. So now she's Christian. It just follows a line of logic. And I think it would have biblical. Logic. Right. And so, but at the same time in the, in the course of the film, you know, I, I, as strange as it sounds, and this might just be me. I like the idea that she is more receptive to what he is doing, but maybe not necessarily more receptive to why he is doing it. She sees a difference, but she's not necessarily ready, but he's going to love her through it because that's what he's supposed to do. Sure. And I, and I like the idea of that yeah. because the, the danger you get in there is, is, uh, do not be unevenly yoked. It, you get in right. the danger of being married to an unbeliever and then it gets all weird. People start asking questions. It gets complicated. Yeah. So just putting a button on it is just helpful for what the story is doing. Right. And but again, that's because, well, they're already married. So it's not like, well, I'm a Christian. She's not. So right. now we got to get divorced. No, you know, it's not I don't like think that. it's. Yeah. But you run the risk of the audience coming to that conclusion. Right. So I think putting the button on it was the right choice. I realized that I didn't answer your question. OK, go ahead. Um, I had a huge problem with the conversion. Scene. OK. Kirk Cameron's conversion Kirk Cameron's scene. conversion yeah. scene. Um, here's my issue with it. And this this goes for every conversion scene that I've seen in Christian movies thus far in my life. Okay. I know there's plenty of them that I haven't seen. So if this doesn't apply to your Christian film, I'm sorry, <laughs> but here's the thing. What happens in our hearts mm. is epic. Yeah. There is a chasm that is crossed. We are brought speaking in biblical imagery. We are brought up out of wallowing in our own blood and filth. Oh, cleaned off, justified, set right before the father and even made his heir, mm-hmm. co-heir with Christ. Um, it's epic what happens. Yeah. You can't show that on film. Right. Because it happens in the human heart. Yeah. It's like it's like trying to trying to show the full damage that war does to a human being. You're never going to be able to do it. Yeah. And the films that have tried to do it exhaustively fail miserably. Yeah. The films that touch on pieces of it work. So I think in those conversion scenes, like... For instance, the the fireproof conversion scene is Kirk Cameron and his father, uh, Caleb, and his father happen to come upon this old Bible camp. Yeah. Where there's all these tree stumps cut off and sat around a cross. Yeah. A huge cross that's got to be like seven feet tall. They happen to be there. And Kirk Cameron sits down at, of course, the stump that is directly across from across the circle from the cross. The sun is setting behind the cross <laughs> and there's this epic pan left that happens. Like if I remember correctly, it comes 
down and to the left and yeah. kind of comes around. Kirk it's kind Cameron. of a swoop. It's it's a bit of a swoop. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it's just so over the top. Well, and I, I feel like because I've uh, there's a movie called The Apostle mm-hmm. that I that has a couple of conversion scenes. Mm-hmm. And I believe those I believe, again, uh, it's hard to display what is happening. Right. The only the, the closest you can come is having a good actor show the transformation in himself. Yeah. And there are and there, I believe there are two conversions in the apostle. One is played by Billy Bob Thornton. Spoilers. Uh, who is a great actor. And yeah. he plays it real subtle, but you see the shift. The other is played by an actor named Walton Goggins, whose name is delightful, I know. But um, but he actually is, is a great actor who went on to play a, a significant role in uh, the series The Shield. Hmm. And so both of them great actors. And he his, his, his reaction is not subtle, but it's not over the top either. Like... It's directed by Robert Duvall, and he he shows uh, he just chooses to let the actors show us without even necessarily even saying it. Just show us on their faces and the way they carry themselves the change that has occurred. And that's and, what you have to do, right? That's as close as you can come. I don't yeah. think you can ever really get there, no. but that's as close as you can come. Yeah. And with Fireproof, Kirk Cameron is not a very good actor. He's okay. He's capable. That's about as far as I go. He's capable. But the the in some cases, the subtlety or the raw emotion required to convey that he is he is unable to convey. You need to be a great actor to do it, and he's not a great actor. And so, but again, just in case we didn't get what was happening, then they'll you know uh, they'll go with the swooping camera, a swell of music, beautiful light, a yep. giant cross. I mean, it's just every single thing is yep. there to let us know something big's happening, and yeah. it's just like it, it just it's so incredibly overdone. And I understand, I, I can attest to the fact that it's a it's a big experience emotionally and, and yeah. in every way for the person you know that that it, that is going through it, but we're the viewer. We're not going through it in the moment. Yeah, and, that's the thing. And so we're sitting on the outside watching this ridiculous thing, and and we just feel like, oh yes, the con- the filmmakers really trying to convince us that this is important, you know. And a great a great actor with bless you, a great Thank actor you. with solid dialogue. Sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. As yeah. we as as we will see in the Apostle someday. I'll talk about that movie someday. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, well, I guess I guess the acting in general. Um, the acting is okay. Yeah, considering with a better script and a solid director, it's probably better. Yeah, there, uh, with the exception of Kirk Cameron, like all of them are non-professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when the when the best actor in your troupe is uh, Kirk Cameron, that's that's a problem. But some of them, but some of them do way better than you ever would have expected them to. Oh yeah, totally. Um, the guy that plays the the best friend, the firefighter. I don't remember the name of the character, but uh, uh, he's the lieutenant. Yeah, but he's, he's good. He's, he's good, and it's the only movie he's ever been in. The guy yeah. who plays Wayne. Uh, Hilarious. I, I find I find some of the comic relief that they inject into the film to be a little clunky, but he's fine. A he's, lot of it works. Yeah, he's committed to it. Surprisingly enough, a lot of their comic relief works. And uh, so many other things don't. Yeah, oh yeah, and and then the the actor who plays uh, Kirk Cameron's dad is in fact a pastor, and he is the pastor I believe who wrote the book The Love Dare. Yeah. 
and so uh, so he actually has experience with conveying things through speech yeah. and I think that actually helps but it is I'll, I'll bring up the joke that you made is <laughs> you know he, he is not you know he is not given a podium or a pulpit with which on which to rest his hands or anything <laughs> like that so his hands just sit limply at his side just you know hang limply at his sides and it reminded you of the scene in 30 Rock where at any moment <laughs> what you what do I do with my hands yeah where at any moment you expected the the actor playing Caleb's father to say, "Could I get two coffee cups, please? <laughs> I need something to do with my hands. Could I get two coffee cups?" <laughs> and uh, and it's and it's stuff like that where it's just like you know that's it kind of speaks to uh, a certain amateur a certain amateur quality. You can yeah. tell that he's not an actor because an actor would know what to do with his hands, mm-hmm. as we see from Kurt Cameron's overacting with his hands. Um, but also a, a proper director would know, you know what, just put your hands in your pockets or cross your arms or do, you know, do something. Yeah. Um, and so so just a lot of in a lot of the performances, they're good for what for what they're very good for what they are. Mm-hmm. But they're still there is a definite difference. You can tell they're not professional. You can yeah. tell this is, you know, this is their first, you know, kind of their first time maybe. And and you can also tell that the director was so was perhaps so focused on some things that he was not focused enough on getting really naturalistic, re, you know, believable perform, completely believable performances from the actors. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, uh, a great actor can can sell the worst dialogue and the most ridiculous situation. Totally. And if you're making a Christian film, you got to get great actors. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to change the script, <laughs> then you need to get great actors, even yeah. if you are going to change the script, because sometimes yeah. great dialogue doesn't sound good coming you out should, of it. A... Yeah, you should try to get great actors no matter yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, but... that's a good call. Um, All of that said, I think this is a huge, I think we can champion this as a huge step forward for Christian film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Comparatively. Abs- like, yeah. I mean, Christian film is still a few years behind Christian music. Yeah. They're, like There was a time when Christian music was just bad. So yeah. It was awful. But now there's a lot of really good stuff. Such as there. what? I don't listen to Christian music, so you're, you'd be okay. the one to talk to. Well, John Foreman. John Foreman. Uh, yeah, he's the lead singer for Switchfoot. Okay. Also a really good band. All right. Uh, Waterdeep is a really good band. All right. Uh, delving into my personal specialty. Yeah, absolutely. My personal preference. Uh, Christian hip-hop or rap music. <laughs> um, pretty much everybody on the Reach Records label, Lecrae, Show Baraka, Trip Lee, um, Tadashi, uh, or Tadishi, I can never remember how to say his name right. Um, they're all amazing, they're just great lyricists. Uh, mm-hmm. The Ambassador is also very good. Uh, Flame is really good. Those are, those are my right. personal. But there's like some really good stuff. It's well produced, it's well written, it's well executed. It's solid. And I think Christian film is moving that direction. Yeah, it certainly and isn't we'll there yet. There. No, but it'll get there. Yeah, uh, if and persecution I, doesn't come down on our heads first. Well, we'll just see how that goes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so I guess it's you know I I feel torn by Fireproof because as a film, strictly as a film, I'd give it two stars at best, probably one and a half. Yeah. Thematically, well, of course, I'm on board with pretty much everything that it has to say. Yeah. Um, so you know, so I'm torn. So I guess I'll average them out and say that the movie's eh, two and a half. Sure. Two and a half stars. Uh, you know, if you're a, if you are not a Christian, I would certainly not recommend it because there's not I much for you. I wouldn't say that. I think there's a lot of stuff in there that anybody could pick up on it. 
the messages about marriage and what it takes to make it work right um are essential for anybody i think anybody can learn those things and should very well learn those things also i think um the lord's doing a lot of really good stuff through this film marriages i've heard stories about it like yeah marriages getting saved through it uh people being saved because of it yeah um so a lot of good stuff has happened because of the film yeah i i I will say that uh that uh you know god can use anything amen even sub very 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 subpar films sure and um and what i will say is is if you're a non-christian you want to watch it that's fine um i feel that we have a we have a mutual friend who uh who owns a lot of christian films and he knows good movies mm-hmm. and he says that he owns them and watches them and kind of likes them because he's on board with their premise and but and that's the only reason that he's willing to fight through the 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 crappiness right and so i feel like but the only reason that he'd be willing to do that is because he already believes. Sure. And so I feel like, you know, if, if, uh, for that reason, I feel like there's not much for a non-Christian. I, again, I, perhaps I'm being too limiting, but if, if like, if you don't already agree with the, with a lot of the aspects of the premise, then there's no reason for you to want to fight through, uh, the poor filmmaking. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm being maybe I'm being too limiting. Non-Christian listeners, give Fireproof a watch, and let me know what you think. And let yeah, me know if I'm being off if I'm off base. I think you're. I'm going to disagree. Here we will disagree, sir. All right then. Yeah, I think get uh, off my show. <laughs> I only want guests that agree with me. I think if it, if you're if it's something that you're interested in, if you've got a marital issue that mm-hmm. you're like, well, I'm kind of looking for something that's going to point me in the right direction. I think the film can do that. Yeah. Um, and a- as of right now, neither you nor myself have read the love dare. Not yet, but I'm, I'm interested to, to see, to see what it says because, <coughs> excuse me, um, based on some of the excerpts, uh, read in the film, a lot of it just seems like basic, not necessarily basic advice, but solid marriage advice. And then, and then he will, and then he will reference a scripture and it's like, okay, well, if you're a non-Christian, you just and you want to disregard that scripture and just go by the advice, it'll probably it's still sound advice. It's great advice. Um, but of course, as again, that's just from a few excerpts from the film. Mm-hmm. We have not we have not yet read the book. It right. might be it might be much more infused with the gospel as it goes along. Who knows? Um, but people who read have it. read it. Knows. What was that? I guess I said yeah. who knows. People yeah. have read it. No, I, I imagine I, several. Don't. Yeah, several people know. Yeah, just nobody. Not, uh, nobody here. Uh, nobody on the show on this at the microphone. Moment. Um, all right, so we're going to take uh, a quick break. We'll come back, talk for a few minutes about uh, the companion film, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And uh, yeah, and then we'll, we'll end this thing. All right, we'll be right back. Sure are. And we're better than ever. That's true. All right. Um, which is to say we both gone to the restroom. We feel better. Had a little Kool-Aid. 
had some had, had more brand, Kool-Aid. Uh, Kool-Aid. That's right. That's right. Some grape drink Indeed. or whatever it is they call it. I don't know. Um, so yeah, so our companion film is one that uh, that you know, Nathan. This is how you got the gig, my friend. <laughs> I have been I have been looking. I've been thinking about like, okay, well, what can I? What movies can I pair with Fireproof? Um, and I was coming up with all kinds of stuff. I was coming up with like. <laughs> I was almost gonna gonna go with Eyes Wide Shut, which is a movie that yeah. I that I'm actually that I think is is actually surprisingly pro marriage and pro the idea of of uh, sacrifice and vulnerability and communication. I feel like that's what Eyes Wide Shut is about. Sure, um, and and the idea of like jealousy and mm-hmm. you know, petty or otherwise. Um, but again, I'm not sure if I like the idea of pairing Fireproof, a Christian film, with a film that, you know... Isn't that a Kubrick film? It is a Kubrick film. Yeah, Kubrick shouldn't be paired with Christian, ever. Um, it's cold, distant, impersonal, and harsh. That one might be the most emotional of his films, which yeah. again is really saying, really yeah, saying that's something. The, this is what I'm saying here. Um, but uh, And there's a lot of nudity, which, which I feel is... For, for the story that he's telling is necessary, but again, it can be very, uh, you know, I don't want to lead anybody into watching, an, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, uh, a film with a lot of nudity uh, and sex that, that, you know, on this marriage episode. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so you, you know, at the last minute, you came up with the, with the goal, I don't know, sports metaphor, and so... Um, so uh, you came up with a with a full house, sure. F- uh, five, four of movie. a kind, okay. <laughs> um, and you suggested <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Smith, yeah, which is a film that I have been talking about as like a very as an interesting meditation on marriage for years and years, mm-hmm. and yet it never occurred to me. I have no idea why, um, but here we are, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It should be noted. This is going to be real cheesy to everybody. I'm sorry. I saw it on my honeymoon. It had just come out. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Yeah. My name is Smith. Yeah. My wife's name is Smith. And it, and that was a new development. It came out the week of our wedding. Come on now. Yeah. You got to see it. Some could argue that it was about you and your wife. Th- there's no question that's what it was about. <laughs> and I mean very specifically. <laughs> um, so I got married is basically just a, a cover for my, uh, you know, my criminal activity. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but it's all just gambling, pretty much. Oh, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, there's no problem with that. No. Um, so yeah, we're talking about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, <laughs> and uh, and we'll try and keep this a little short, even though that was the longest introduction you could ever uh, hope to hear. Sorry. Um, I think it's probably my fault. That's probably true. But I was apologizing to the people for you. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that. I, I, can, I can apologize for myself. I've been doing it for 28 years. You want to go ahead and do that then? Sorry, everybody. Yeah. Hey, uh, I don't, uh, I just don't know. Okay. So those, th- that's how, <laughs> those are how my apologies sound. Yep. Um, they're very uncomfortable for everybody. Um, so Mr. And Mrs. Smith, w- you, you would never, you know, on the surface, you would never think that it's a movie about, uh, a dysfunctional, I'm, I'm dysfunctional marriage certainly, but yeah, you sure. feel like that's mostly just, just a hook. Yeah. For for an action movie. On the surface, it's very, hey, be entertained by these two people. Right. Yeah. These two attractive people, big stars, uh, and lots of explosions. Are secretly spies. Ooh. Hit, come on, uh, watch it. Uh, hit assassins. Hitmen. Yeah, assassins. They're not spies. Yeah. And it's she's a hit woman. 
technically. And the movie was a hit. I think technically hit man. Is it like actor? All everyone is an actor. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the if word you're a hitman, write to Tyler at morethanonelesson.com. Let right. us know if a, if a female hitman is also known as a hitman or a hit woman. Okay, just let us know. Yeah, Tyler at morethanonelesson. Thank you. Yeah. Um, or you can write to Nathan at. Uh, well, I won't uh, give your actual address. You to can a, to Nathan L H Potter at gmail dot com. L H L H. That's I have two middle names. Really? Yeah. What are they? Lee Hastings. Lee Hastings. Nathan Lee Hastings Potter. Yep. Huh. I don't care for it, but that's all right. <laughs> um, so the uh, uh, sorry, everybody, we've clearly gone off the rails. But uh, yeah, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, it's it is an action movie about uh, these two these two people, John and Jane Smith. Very, uh, their names are very generic. Mm-hmm. They live in a suburban home. Mm-hmm. They seem very boring, even though they're both you know very attractive people. They do very mundane activities, yeah. but in actuality, they are both assassins. But they don't work for the same company. They are nope. separate, and they don't know that the other is an assassin. Yep. And hilarity ensues. Hilarity to a degree, yeah. but uh, deep emotions as well, yeah. which is what's surprising, is that Ooh. they eventually... I don't appreciate the tone, but... Uh, and don't get... Get your nose off that microphone. I use <laughs> it for other podcasts, you know. Oh, sorry. All right. Don't apologize to me. Apologize to David. Sorry, David. All right. He doesn't listen to this. Oh. But... um. Anyway, so they, they wind up going after the same target uh, by coincidence, and that's when they discover that uh, these secret lives, and they both feel a sense of betrayal and frustration, and then they start trying to kill each other, which is kind of amusing, but it also, it really does seem to come from a place of genuine hurt. I'd say more on the part of Angelina Jolie than Brad Pitt. He, he wants to kind of reconcile but at the same yeah. time, there are moments where he's like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to blow this woman up. Yeah. Um, and so I, when, so I knew that, that they start fighting each other. And I remember just thinking like, okay, well, the crisis that, they, that they're going through, it's going to last maybe 20 minutes. And then they'll band together. And then they'll fight the actual bad guys. Sure. Their, their for lack of a better word, argument, which of course the, in this instance they argue with guns and explosions – but their, their arguments and their fists yeah. and their feet and random household appliances. Absolutely. Knives probably. There are knives. Yeah. Yep. They it goes on for a solid forty minutes. If not longer. I mean it really they spend a lot of time going after each other, wanting to hurt each other mm-hmm. because they feel that betrayal and which means that it's more than just a hook. It is, and and they eventually do reconcile. And what's fascinating to me is, it's it very much. I mean, I I figured this out, and I it was only four days into my actual marriage. Is just, and it's something that I found to be true is that even though the secrets that they are keeping are very glamorous and spectacular secrets, like oh, they're secret assassins and all that. Even though there's that, um, and and you know there's all kinds of explosions. At at its core, it could be any really any any old marriage. You know they they both are are distant. They're very selfish. They're in it mm-hmm. mostly for themselves. Yep. They're in it at the beginning. They're in it to see 
you know, what can I get from this other person? Well, this other person gives me a secret identity, gives mm-hmm. me cover, and they're both in it for that. They're mm-hmm. both in it for themselves. And, you know, as such, they're both kind of bored. They're going through the motions as far as the actual marriage is concerned. Um, they're not having a lot of sex, you know, and, and only after, which is an important part of marriage. It's sure. It's sure. married. Stop it. Oh, Nathan. Yes, I agree. (laughs) But let's not take this into a different direction. Sorry. Um, but the, uh, man, now I feel like I have to address this. No. Hey, listen, I was mostly being a joking jerk, but that's. It's also if you're a Christian, it's it's a marriage thing, guys. <laughs> Just saying. Joking jerk. I I have this bit that I do where I'm I say self righteous things. Yeah. Uh because amongst good company it's funny. Yeah. But I've just realized that uh people are gonna listen to this that don't know me. Yeah. And that's not okay. Yeah, it's uh it is a lot of fun to watch uh watch Christian movies with Nathan and hear him yell out heresy. Um <laughs> And even when he means it, the fact that he's yelling it is mostly a joke yeah. because it's meant to be ridiculous. It's meant to be kind of a comment on uh, Christians who just feel the need to shoehorn what they believe into every possible situation. And it's like, hey, uh, you know, we weren't talking about this. Oh, we are now. I guess that was the point, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I've just done that joke, even though none of you un- really understand that joke. And I apologize for that. <laughs> Oh, I think the problem is the deadpan. You do it with a total straight face <laughs> that I think uh I think and a straight voice I would say. Well, I have I have acting training. That's true. I understand comedy. <laughs> That's true. Indeed. Um Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, so geez. yeah. Anyway, sorry. so they uh so they discover each other's secrets, you know, and much like in in life when you know, I mean, uh Jen once had a a boss who he had like a he had like a secret bank account and a secret apartment in the city. And whether or not he was actually committing any kind of infidelity, it's still like he didn't share that with his wife. And it looks bad that, oh, you're keeping a secret place to live, you know. And so you just feel hurt that, you know, because marriage really is about committing to the other person in every possible way, which means telling them as much about yourself as you can um, and just letting them in on your life. And of course, for professional reasons, Mr. and Mrs. Smith can't do that. Right. But there's still that betrayal when they discover it and they have to, and they work through their anger and they just want to hurt each other as couples in a fight are going to want to do. Um, and then they come to realize by the end that, you know what, everything's out there. And once they start to reconcile, Everything just comes pouring out of them. Yeah. They just start telling all kinds of secrets. Yeah. And it's just, and they, and it's, it's kind of funny when they do it, but it comes from a place of once you start down that road of trust and vulnerability, it's not, it's fun, but it's also surprisingly freeing to, to just let somebody else in on it. You know, to just, yeah. it's like, I, I'm not in this alone anymore. Yeah. I've got this person with me. Yeah. And it's, it's so it helps every situation. Yeah. And so so they just do all so they just let each other in and then as they have to wind up decimating like 50 other assassins, they discover and individually they probably would have both been killed, but together, whoop. 
Whoop. But together, um, they're stronger than you know. They're they're stronger even than the sum of their parts. Yeah. Which which is the which is one of the ideas behind marriage is that you know there are so many things that have happened in my life that I I wouldn't have been able to deal with if I was alone you know emotionally or just practically yeah. and likewise uh, with Jen it's just you both just give each other strength and it comes from being being open w- with each other and being very vulnerable with each other and it should be noted that uh, once they start coming clean with each other um they start having really great sex because of course sex hey i'm just saying sex is close from intimacy yeah sex is very vulnerable and very intimate and so if you're keeping secrets from somebody then the most vulnerable thing that you can do with them probably is going to suffer Mm -hmm. and so so they wind up with just a very like just a a a healthy marriage by the end of it Mm -hmm. i don't know if they're still Assassins. I think they are. I think they are. I think it's also important to note that even after they get all this stuff out on the table, they stop. They clear out all the lies and stuff like that. Yeah. And they band together. Yeah. To fight alongside one another. Yeah. The troubles don't stop. No. They still have issues with him being a stubborn man. Yeah. And her being a uh, a forceful, assertive, overly yeah. assertive, I'd say, woman. Yeah. And they have to kind of work that out. And eventually, what happens is. They work it out and they kind of understand how to work off one another. Right. And uh, and so I think that's a really good picture of even after you've dealt with like major internal issues, there's still going to be stuff you got to work out. Yeah. But what it'll end up happening is you'll end up being in sync and you'll uh, you'll live in harmony. And as it were, uh, you'll fight the battles of the day in sync with one another. Yeah, and it really and speaking of somebody who's been married for a while now, I mean it's it really is the best. I mean it's just. I had a I have a friend who uh he's a strong Christian um and he he and I were talking he actually revealed that he he hasn't given his wife he hadn't he has since but he hadn't given his wife any of his passwords to like email accounts or otherwise there was nothing incriminating in his email mm-hmm. he just and he couldn't even really vo- verbalize why he hadn't done it and and of course, I mean, we, <coughs> excuse me, of course we realize why, which is there's something that you want to have that's all your own. You don't want to share it. Even if it's something as innocuous as, uh, she can't read my emails. There's nothing wrong in my emails, but it's still just mine. Yeah. And so I'll say this. Uh, I, I think this probably applies to anybody who is married, Christian or otherwise, that like if there are secrets that you're keeping from another person or if you just... It, if you feel the need to keep anything separate, like I know a lot of in Los Angeles, especially it's a big deal. Um, keeping finances separate, you know, I've got my money, she's got her money. I can buy what I want. And she, you know, I feel like, well, there is a certain degree of accountability. Uh, and I don't even, you know, like Jen and I, we've got the same bank account. And so if I make some stupid frivolous purchase and likewise, if she does, then, we know about it, and it's like you know what I you probably shouldn't have done that because here's what our money situation is, yeah. and it's like yeah I know that, and if you and if you aren't accountable to anybody, uh, you know especially the person that you love most in the world, um, then it frees you up to make mistakes, yeah. you know, and but when it's the two of you working together on finances, then you know yeah you may wind up not buying all the things you want, but 
you will be in it more, you'll be in it together more, which of course means uh, you'll have to make a sacrifice for the good of the for the good of the marriage, right? Which uh, you know, which I think is probably a step in the right direction. And, and to, to further support what you're just saying about combining all information, all personal like likes, dislikes, sharing <laughs> everything. Check Genesis two, and Jesus comes along and teaches this also in the Gospels. The two shall become one flesh. Yeah, you are one flesh. One person you share. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Yeah, and it's yeah. I'm and and so hopefully, uh, if if uh, you listened to this episode, and if you're married, hopefully you were able to get something out of mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we've said. Um, go and watch Mister and Mrs. Smith. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it's a good date movie. It you know what it really is. Um, and uh, and sure, why not go and watch Fireproof and uh, yeah. and get what you can out of it. You know what I mean. Yeah. And there is the possibility you may not be challenged a lot artistically, um, but that's not to say there's nothing there. There is something you may, there. You may be challenged personally. Yeah, absolutely. Morally. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, uh, Nathan, thank you for being here. Love it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll have you on again uh, when it comes time to talk about a movie that, that, uh, that we don't like. <laughs> Excellent. Um, or that it just isn't that good. Um, sure. So, of course, uh, you can go to morethanonelesson.com. You can email me at tyler at morethanonelesson.com. Um, I'm available uh, on Twitter uh, at, uh, at morelessons. Yeah. Twitter.com slash morelessons. Or if you're on Twitter, just at morelessons. Um, so I think that's it. Uh, go on over to iTunes and write me a nice review if you want to. Uh, if you do listen to the show, uh, please subscribe. It does not take much. And it does not require much, so uh, but it does let me know. Uh, get me. It does allow me to have a more accurate count to how many people are listening, uh, and all that sort of thing. So, um, so thanks everybody for uh, for listening. Thank you once again, Nathan, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye.